Have you ever heard of the big five personality traits? Well, stay tuned because today I'm going to talk a little about this psychological concept, specifically as it relates to writers. Hello, and welcome to the Groovy Writer Podcast, where we explore how to find your writing groove, regardless of your circumstances. I'm your host, author and MFA instructor, Nicole McGinnis. Hi, everyone, and welcome back to the podcast. So aside from being a writer and having an interest in pretty much all things related to writers and to writing, I also have a foster puppy. And you might hear her right now with her squeaky toy. That very possibly could go on throughout the episode. That's it, if you hear it in the background. She's adorable, but her timing isn't always super, super convenient. In addition to having an interest in writing-related stuff, I also have an interest in psychology and the psychology specifically of being a creative person and even more specifically, the psychology of being a writer. Now, I am obviously not a psychologist or a psychiatrist or any kind of ist when it comes to the world of psychology, but I do have an interest and I have for many years. One of the psychological concepts that has really, you know what, it's <laughs> I had to take away her squeaky. One of the psychological concepts that in recent years has really started to interest me is something called the big five personality traits. And this is basically a way to break down just what it sounds like, the big five personality traits that humans share. Some of these traits will be more prominent, more pronounced than others in each individual person. So it's sort of like these psychological ingredients that make up the personalities of every human being. It's fascinating to study the different ways these can be balanced, the different ways they can be out of balance, the ways they can benefit people and the ways they can really not benefit people and even be somewhat harmful and get into sort of mental health issue territory. What's really kind of neat about this concept, this theory of the big five traits is that each one of them is on a spectrum. So you either are on the low end of the spectrum for that trait, or you're on the high end of that spectrum, or you're somewhere in between. I just sort of envision a slider going from low end to high end. And it's fascinating to me to think about this in relation to myself and other people I know to sort of theorize, you know, where they might be with these different traits. And again, we all have them to some degree or another or don't have them to some degree or another. I'm first going to talk about what these traits are, give a brief summary of each, and then I want to dive into a little exploration of how they might look specifically in regards to how a person approaches the writing. Without further ado, here are the big five personality traits. They are openness, conscientiousness, extroversion, agreeableness, and neuroticism. When we talk about openness, it pretty much is what it sounds like. People who are open to new experiences, people who are adventurous and willing to try new things. So people who are not afraid to push the envelope. 
The second of the big five traits, conscientiousness. And by the way, I'll stop here and say that a great acronym for remembering these traits is the word OCEAN. O for openness, C for conscientiousness, E for extroversion, A for agreeableness, and N for neuroticism. So the second trait, conscientiousness. People who are very high in this trait of being conscientious, really who are pushing that upper end of the spectrum, might find themselves being perfectionists, extremely attuned to detail. They're highly aware of the desire to cross the T's and dot the I's. And I mean this not necessarily in a writing specific way, but just in a life way. People on the low end, yeah, maybe they just take the day as it comes. They're not really worried about keeping a schedule. Maybe their life and their work looks quite rough drafty. Extroversion, the third big five trait. Uh, I don't know too many super extroverted writers, but extroversion is, of course, people who are very gregarious, who really find themselves energized by being in the company of other people. These are the people who are very friendly, who are very outgoing. They might exude self-confidence, even if they don't always feel self-confident. And of course, people on the low end tend to be more introverted. I would say many, not all, but many of the writers I know really trend toward that introverted lower end of the extroversion extroversion scale. So the fourth of the big five traits is agreeableness. And these are the people who on the high end of this scale will be very friendly. They want people to get along. They will work hard to get along with others. They're the peacemakers. They are the people who aren't looking to start things. They don't typically have problems with people. And if they do, that makes them uncomfortable. People, of course, on the low end of the agreeableness scale, well, many of us have dealt with these people as well. They They tend to be a bit unpleasant and they don't really care who experiences that or who is on the receiving end of that. And they might have a more dour outlook. They just might not be very fun to be around those who are low on the agreeableness scale. The fifth trait, neuroticism. So people high on the neuroticism sliding scale tend to struggle with self-confidence, control of their emotions, control of their nerves, control of their expression, outbursts of fear or anger, emotions that we generally look at and think those aren't good things to sort of flood the system with. People on the low end of neuroticism, those are the people who can sort of um, take life as it comes a little bit. They are probably more resilient and just able to sort of go with the flow. It doesn't mean they're not affected by life and by hurtful things or negative experiences. It just means they have an ability to maybe let things roll off their back a little better. So why look at these big five personality traits through the lens of being a writer? For me, again, writing psychology is fascinating. The psychology of artists in general, any types of creative people, dancers, painters, architects, it's fascinating to me because there is, I think, a sort of universal package that can come with being a creative person. We can tend to deal with self-confidence issues. We can tend to deal with a lot of self-doubt. We can tend to deal with these potential emotional highs and lows in relation to our work and how our work is received. 
deep. There's a lot to unpack. So to me, putting something almost like a template that these big five traits are, putting that template on to the life of a writer. And of course, again, everyone is different. Everyone has a different blend of these things, writer or not. But putting that template onto a writer's life, onto our own lives as writers, I think can offer some insight and a way of looking at ourselves that maybe we hadn't really taken into consideration before. I know this has been the case when I have applied these traits to my own writing life. And I just find it fascinating. So let's look at writers and this first trait. Remember the acronym OCEAN. So the first trait, openness. What does a writer on the high end of the openness scale look like? These are the writers who do not pigeonhole themselves. And I've seen these writers who are beginners, who are very secure in the knowledge that they will not be pigeonholed as a poet or an essayist or a sci-fi writer or a YA writer. They want to maybe try it all or try a bunch of things anyway, and they don't want to limit themselves. And those writers can be really inspiring because I think to be that type of writer, to be super open to new ideas and new genres and new ways to write, you have to to release a lot of ego. So these tend to be interesting people to be around and easy people to be around because they're interested. They're interested in conversation. They're interested in looking at the world. They're interested in hearing different viewpoints. And I just think that's super cool. Obviously on the low end of the openness scale, it would be just the opposite. These are the writers who do tend to pigeonhole themselves. And I don't denigrate writers who do this. I think it can actually be quite a trap that's very easy for writers to fall into. Either you have been published in a certain area say YA, and you start to think of your brand. You start to think, well, this is where I found some success, so I'm just going to keep it up. I'm not going to switch to another genre or another category, even though I really am interested in writing essays, or I'm really interested in looking into creative nonfiction. I just can't. I can't afford to do it. I've been there at different times in my career. I know plenty of other writers who keep cranking out the same type of book. That's great if that's your zone, and that's your thing, and that's all you want to do, but I think it's really unfortunate fortunate when writers pigeonhole themselves because of some sense of external expectation. Or my agent doesn't rep the other thing I really want to write, so I'm just going to play it safe and stick with this thing. I have contacts in this part of the industry, editors know my work, whatever it might be. I think it's sad, but not all writers think it's sad. To me, it's again, very appealing to explore different genres, different styles of writing. It's part of how I try to keep myself sort of mentally limber as a writer. It's just to push my comfort zone a little and not just write YA. Hence the indie book I have out as of last November, which is called The Gilead, and that is commercial fiction, really women's commercial fiction. Uh, I also wrote a sci-fi story that I put out there and just having fun and, and again, pushing the personal envelope a little bit. So the second of the big five traits, conscientiousness, as it applies specifically to a theoretical writer, a writer I think who's high in conscientiousness, they're not just going to start on page one and start writing. They're probably going to have multiple pre-writing steps, such as brainstorming, outlining, maybe just thinking about their concept and their characters and their plot and the different scenes. They're going to go into it in a very organized, methodical fashion. And then there are the people on the lower end of the conscientiousness scale. And again, I don't think this is a bad thing to be on the low end. It's just a different style. These are the people who just think, hey, this is a good idea. I think I'm going to follow this thought and see where it leads. And maybe they just write through to the end. And 80,000 words later, they call it good. 
and they have a very rough draft, but they just followed the trail and they're not really worried. You know, they know some parts of it are very weak, very messy and other parts, maybe there are little gems in there, but we'll cross those editing bridges and revision bridges when we get to them. The third big five personality trait, again, remember the word ocean as our acronym, is extroversion. These are the writers who love doing book signings, love doing readings, love being on panels, love to just have the cocktail parties with the publishing team. These are the people who really get energized by interacting with fans and hand selling their books and traveling to meet their agent, traveling to meet their editor. I think this can be a really, really fun part of traditional publishing. For me, even though I don't consider myself a highly extroverted person, when I had books coming out and did the panels, did the big literary events, got to hang out with the New York publishing teams who I had had not otherwise met in person, got to get together with people in the industry outside of a book release, you know, meeting in different cities, maybe doing panels together. I have some great memories of those times and that was really, really fun. It was also really exhausting for me, not being a natural extrovert, that someone who is high on that extroversion scale as a writer will just sort of live on that. What I see as a potential downfall is just the distraction factor. While it's so much fun and writers tend to be interesting, compelling people, whether they're introverts or extroverts, just the fact that they're writers, I think, tends to make them slash us pretty interesting. I'll toot our own horn there a little bit. But I do think there is a potential risk of being a little bit too caught up in the lights and the attention. It can pull you away from the writing on the lower end of that extroversion scale, of course, we have the more quiet, solitude-loving creative writers who they're good never doing a conference or maybe doing a local conference or maybe being part of a local writing group, but they're really not interested in putting themselves out there in a big flashy public way. I know writers, excellent writers, many of them over the years, who even the thought of being on social media is terrifying to them. It's very, very anxiety-inducing. So even putting themselves out virtually, very, very uncomfortable. And so I tell people, you know what? I think it's great to have some sort of social media just so that readers can find you. But if it's really causing you anguish, there's no have to. You don't have to be on social media. You don't have to put yourselves out there. Ideally, writers put out stories and the stories are what connects with people. So I just think it's interesting to think about where are you on that extroversion scale? And if you're not published yet, where do you see yourself? I know for me, before I was published, the thought of doing a book tour, which tend to not happen anymore, really for the vast majority of writers, but that used to be a thing. Like in the 80s and 90s, I went to so many author readings. And I remember thinking, if I ever had a book published, I can't imagine having the guts to just go to all these readings and give talks in front of all these people. And then when I did start to do it a little bit, I realized, yeah, it's a little bit of a learning curve and it's a little anxiety provoking, but it can also be really fun. So I put myself squarely in the middle on that one. Okay, the fourth big five personality trait, agreeableness. I think a writer who is high on the agreeableness scale is someone who is very willing to share their knowledge, someone who has been published or maybe has just written a lot and just is very knowledgeable about the process or about a specific genre. This is the type of person who will tend to like to share. I think a lot of writers high on the agreeableness spectrum tend to go into teaching, mentoring, leading writing groups. They 
want to help. They want to help people connect in a more powerful way with their creative selves. And so I think that's pretty cool. I think writers who are low on the agreeableness scale, maybe these are just the more grouchy, leave me alone, get off my lawn, I'm writing. I think of Jack Nicholson's character in As Good As It Gets, which is a movie I just rewatched the other night. And this connection is just coming to me right now. I just rewatched it the other night because it's a movie I have always just loved since it came out in the late 90s. And his character, Mr. Udall, I don't know why I can't remember his first name right now, is just as Greg Kinnear's character calls him, an absolute horror of a human being. He's just a malcontent. He's angry. He struggles mightily with mental health issues that make him very unpleasant to be around. And I think Jack Nicholson's character would be absolutely at the rock bottom of the agreeableness scale. And finally, we have the final big five personality trait, neuroticism. I wish I could say I didn't know too many writers who were on the high end of this scale, but unfortunately, I think it sometimes comes with the territory. And I think that's also for good reason. To be a writer, as I've discussed throughout, I would say most of the episodes of this podcast, to be a writer is to be willfully vulnerable, to be willing to put something that is very dear to us that we have created out there for, frankly, criticism, sometimes harsh criticism, sometimes criticism that feels very, very personal and can be very discouraging. So I think by its very nature, the act of writing, and especially the act of writing for an audience, i.e. publication, traditional publication, where you have to query agents and try to get an agent, and there's typically a lot of rejection involved in that. And then let's say you get an agent, and you finish a manuscript, and your book goes out on submission to editors at publishing houses, and there tends to be a lot of rejection. For some, there's more. For other writers, there's less in that process as well. And there really are no guarantees that a manuscript that you may have labored over for years will get picked up and published. And it might feel like that manuscript is dead in the water. So there really is a sort of built in, this is part of that package I talked about at the beginning of the episode, this sort of universal package where if you are a certain type of writer, i.e. a writer who wants to find a readership, there really is a certain built in landscape that can just be chock full of, yes, peaks, but really low valleys as well. So I don't fault any writer, myself included, who struggles a bit with being on the higher end, I won't say very high, extremely high, but at times at least struggles with being on the higher end of the neuroticism scale. And I think this is especially true of maybe newer writers who are trying to make a name for themselves and their work. I think if you've been in this business or tried to be in this business for long enough, you tend to develop a little bit of a thicker skin, but that can take time. And it doesn't come as naturally for some writers as it does for others. So if you are a thin-skinned writer, you have a hard time with criticism, or you take it personally, or you confuse yourself with the work, because maybe the work is very personal. Maybe you've written a memoir, or maybe you've written fiction, but it's really based on something that is very close to your actual experience. And then if someone has a negative response to that and shares that negative response, it's understandable that you would feel hurt, upset, maybe you'd cry maybe you'd have a hard time managing that bundle of emotions that comes with feeling like maybe a failure or maybe you have imposter syndrome. There's so many things. I don't even want to list them because I feel like I'm going to end the episode on this sort of negative note. But any writers listening to this can probably think of at least one not so fun aspect of trying to get 
your writing into the hands of readers. Again, whether that's through traditional publication or indie publication, however you're trying to do it, it can really be a wild ride. So anyone who tends to naturally be a little bit on that higher end of neuroticism and who is also a writer, oh, my heart goes out to you. Anyone who tends to be naturally on the lower end where really things roll off your back. You don't take things too personally. You tend to have a pretty relaxed, go with the flow attitude toward life in general. Those people, when they go into being a writer, they still might experience the peaks and valleys, but I absolutely think they're at a distinct advantage because the rejection, no big deal. That agent didn't want me, another one will. That editor didn't want to buy the manuscript, another one will. The people who sort of naturally have that attitude, I am envious. So if you are one of those people, you're a writer and you just don't get too ruffled. You're kind of unflappable. You keep forging ahead. And if someone doesn't love your work, no big deal. If you get a bad review, whatever. That's really a gift. And I would say cherish that. And for those of you who maybe don't relate so strongly to being on the low end of neuroticism, and you do really struggle with fear of the what ifs, fear of, you know, what if I get rejected? What if readers don't like my book? What if I never sell another book? Whatever it might be, it really, again, it can be an endless list, and I don't want to dwell. The wonderful thing about this trait of neuroticism and all of the big five traits, really, and this is one of the things that makes this so interesting to me and so fun and really so compelling is that we do have the power to change our location on each of the spectrums, openness, conscientiousness, extroversion, agreeableness, and neuroticism. If you look at these and you sort of put that template on yourself as a writer and on your writing life, I think it's wonderful. What it has done for me is it has allowed me to go, you know, I'm, I'm a little higher than I would ideally like to be on this particular trait, or I'm a little lower than I want to be on this other trait. Is there anything I can do about that? And it turns out, yes, there absolutely is. There's so much great information out there. I'm obviously not going to have time here to go into all the different things you can do to help move your slider to bring your five traits into better balance where your writing life is concerned. But I will say it is a very worthwhile pursuit. And the first step, as we've done here, is just to know what those big five traits are. Remember that word ocean and get online. You can just type in a search engine, big five personality traits. You can watch videos, you can read articles. And there are so many quick reads out there around these types of concepts that it doesn't have to become this intense, time-consuming study. But I do think it's fairly easy to get some potentially really interesting insights into your own life and your own approach to writing, into your own writing groove. I'd love to hear what you all think about this. I wish you luck and fun as you play around with your own personal big five writing personality traits. Thanks for listening to the Groovy Writer Podcast. You can find the podcast on most major platforms, including Apple Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Spotify, Stitcher, and others. You can also listen in on YouTube and on my website at nicolemcginnis.com. Until next time, ride on, Groovy Writers. Ride on. <laughs>